The following message was recorded at Christ Church in Bartlett, Tennessee. For more information about Christ Church, visit www.ccbartlett.org. Sweet Spirit of God, allow us to hear your word this morning and understand the depth, the authority, the power of love. I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> Turn in your Bible, please, to Genesis chapter 50. So some might ask, what's the greatest love story in the Bible? And some would think that might be Solomon and Shulamay, or it may have been Boaz and Ruth, or maybe it was the friendship of David and Jonathan. No, it was a brother. The greatest love I find in the Bible besides that of our Lord Christ is Joseph showing his love toward his brothers even though they have gravely mistreated him. And it gives me the understanding of the depth, the authority, the power of love. Follow with me in verse 15 of chapter 50 of Genesis. When Joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead, they said, perhaps Joseph will hate us and may actually repay us for all the evil which we did to him. Now we'll quit right there a minute and back up. Joseph was one of 12 children that uh, his father had, one of 10 children, excuse me, his father had. And, uh, but he was his dad's favorite, not because, not because his dad picked a favorite out of the 10. Because normally in that culture, the oldest son would have become the tribal leader. He would have inherited and he would have commanded uh, all of the tribal assets and all of the uh, families and the people in uh, his father's family. But Jacob was a wise father and rather than automatically pass on uh, the rule and the reign of the family to the oldest son, he actually picked the best son. And what he saw over time was that there was something so unique about Joseph, so intelligent, so strong, so pure, so pointed, that he really had no choice but to make him head of the family. And of course, the other brothers were very jealous of that. And then Joseph, on top of that, had these dreams. And the dreams, like one of them is his star was the brightest stars and the other stars yielded to his star, meaning his brothers were going to yield to his uh, leadership. Or, or sheaves of wheat were stacked out in the field and, and uh, his stood tall and the others bowed down, his brothers bowed down before him. 
Well, not only did he have these uh, visions, he told his brothers that. Boy, that, that didn't wear real well, that they were going to have to bow down to him. And uh, dad made it obvious because he gave Joseph this coat of many colors. Now, generally, that's played out in our churches with some kid in a striped bathrobe. But that's not what that was about. This was a, 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 a robe of authority. It came to his ankles. Probably the rest of them were in tunics, short coats, because they had to have their legs free to do, to do manual labor. But his coat went to the floor, and more than likely it had piping at the hem, piping up the seam and around the sleeves, and could have had the coping on the shoulders. It represented that he was large and in charge. But it wasn't because his dad just picked a favorite. Understand that. He was the one God had chosen to lead the family of Jesus Christ. He was the one God had picked. And in fact, he's the only character in the Bible that nothing bad is said about. Every other character in the Bible, because God just wrote his book like it was. He picked up all the flaws, all the sins, and all of the shortcomings of all the characters, because, hey, who's the central character of the Bible? God is. Jesus is. Well, they're the only ones perfect anyway. Nobody else is perfect. So the rest of us play out in God's plan as minor characters. <laughs> We, we, are, we are part of the team, all right. We're, we're great in God's sight. We sang about that just a minute ago. He loves us, and that's who he is, and that's who we are. But the only perfect one was Jesus and his father, God. So God had no problem. Point, and and am I saying Joseph's perfect? No. I'm just saying that in the story we get, which is several chapters in the book of Genesis, uh, from about 39 to 50, we get this story and nothing evil is mentioned of Joseph. So his brothers had decided they were just going to kill him and get rid of him. <coughs> so they captured him and they threw him in a cistern, dry cistern. And uh, while they were negotiating that, one of them just suggested they don't kill him, just kind of leave him there. And, and finally they came to the conclusion that, that they just, some, some uh, Ishmaelites came by, they'd just sell him, just make a profit off of him. They'd take that fancy coat and put some lamb's blood on it and carry it and say, Dad, tough luck. He did. And uh, move on. And, uh, but anyway, they sold him into slavery. Now, many of us struggle with what our families have done to us. Probably out of all the suffering that people suffer through, what their families have done to them, mama or daddy or brother or sister, has created more heartache. Wife, divorce, husband, all that kind of been. Children, go. Ooh. You wonder why you've had them things. But anyway, <laughs> but I mean, you know, uh, uh, nothing hurts, nothing hurts as bad 
as family. I mean, that can stab you and hurt you quicker than about anything there, there is. <coughs> you probably never, never get as angry with anybody as you do family for some reason or the other. But nobody else better talk about them or they'll get hurt. <laughs> so uh, what they did to him was a horrible thing. I think I'd rather been killed. Just knock me in the head and go show dad the coat and tell him tough luck. But leave me out of this. But they sold him into slavery. What a crazy thing. They sold him into slavery. A life of absolute misery. They don't know who was going to buy him. They don't know how he's going to be treated. They didn't care. His family abandoned him. They turned their back on him. His family turned their back on him. Well, uh, from there he was, he, actually God blessed him. And he got in a good business deal with uh, Potiphar. He was running Potiphar's business, running Potiphar's household. And then Potiphar's wife tried to have an affair with him and lied and said he tried to rape her and, and Potiphar believed her and he got thrown in prison. It got worse. But God blessed him in prison and he began to run the prison. He was such a good prisoner. The jailer said, I don't want to work that hard. I'm going on vacation. You take it and run it. And he did. And, and then he met some friends in high places. And uh, one of them was going to get out and be restored to the Pharaoh's service and remember me to the Pharaoh. Do you think he remembered him when he got out? No, he forgot him. Three more years at least he sat in his stinkhole, being forgotten. So, so man, if it could go wrong, it went wrong. His family abandoned him. His business people lied and cheated him. Ooh. Guys, she's single. Thank you, sweetie. So I said that to say this. His brothers were well aware that they had set him up for some misery. And uh, so anyway, you know the story. There was a famine came up where his dad's folks were. And uh, now Joseph is prime minister of, of Egypt. He's running uh, the, the storage of the, of the uh, grains and the, they, they conserved uh, what they needed for their cattle and sheep. And so Egypt during this drought has plenty and the rest of the country has nothing. The close proximity area. 
So Jacob said to his children, won't y'all go down and beg on the Pharaoh, see if he might have mercy on us and give us something to eat. And lo and behold, those boys had to come in and talk to who? Their brother Joseph. Now they didn't know it. But the Bible said he had to leave the room. Not because he was overwhelmed to kill them. You think all those soldiers standing there in his presence, all those sharp blades. He got one more snatch at them boys. Hmm. He left the room crying because he never thought he'd see his family again. Amen. Who in the heck wanted to see him? Who would ever want to have anything else to do with them? And that's why I'm telling you, there's no greater love than to be able to get past all of that and love anyway. Amen. And not only, not only love, but love with a broken heart. It was real. It was genuine. It wasn't, okay, Jesus said so, so I will. Well, I've done that now. You love me? Yeah, I guess so. Jesus said I had to. One of my favorite sayings is, I love Jesus, but putting up some of his children to real pain sometimes. No, it ought to be a joy too. It ought to be a blessing, a privilege. And, uh, and, and he wept when he saw those, those guys again. And they were telling him about uh, uh, dad being alive. And they had actually another brother. That was his little brother, Benjamin. And he said, well, I don't believe you. I don't believe you. You bring, uh, bring old, proof would be y'all go up there and get Benjamin, bring him back. So he saw Benjamin. They got ready to leave again. He'd, he'd put a gold cup in one of the bags so that uh, they got caught for stealing the king's cup. Oh, they thought their heads were going to get... That was just an excuse to hold Benjamin. And he said, if you want Benjamin back, you bring daddy. I want to see him too. So then the whole family came down. He loved them all. He loved them all. So, let's take a look at it. How'd this happen? What kind of person, how can I do that? How can I love that way? I want to love like that, don't you? I'd like to be known as one who had a heart like God. That's what Grant's been teaching us about. And it's been tough to listen to some of that, hasn't it? Woo! That's been hard to listen to some of that stuff he's been preaching about. Man, that little kid can preach. God so blessed him. But I want to love like that. How do I learn to love like that? Well, he sought God's presence wherever he was and at all times. Now listen to 15. A lot of people want to seek to do the will of God. 
A lot of people want to obey God. You can do that without having your heart in it. You can do that mechanically. You can do that religiously and it not be worth much. You remember the Bible said you can give your body to be burned? You can give up everything. You can speak with tongues. You can move mountains. You can do all that kind of stuff. But if you have not love, you're what? Noisy. Isn't that what he said? You're just noisy. So how do you love with this genuine love? And that is you seek to be in the presence of God. Because if you're in the presence of God, you'll not only know what the will of God is, you'll also have the heart of God. The heart of God. The will of God could be mechanical. The heart of God is to love. There's a little bitty verse in Scripture said, God is what? Love. God is love. The very essence of God is love. So if you're going to love like this, with an all-compassionate love, a love of authority, it's going to have to be because you stay in the presence of Jesus. How do I know that? How do I know he did that? Well, when he was in slavery, the Bible says the Lord was with Joseph. When he got sold over into prison, the Bible says the Lord was with Joseph. Now, take your Bibles. You're going to have to do a little work. I'm sorry. Normally, it's all just, you know, candid out for you. But today, you got to actually find something. Second Chronicles 15. That's just the other side of the book of Second Kings and First Chronicles. So you start turning right hand from Genesis. And you're not going to get too far away from it because you've got to run across those big books of... Uh, First, Second Kings, and First Chronicles, and go to Second Chronicles, chapter fifteen. Second Chronicles, chapter fifteen. Now, this is about a king of the southern kingdom. It's not a big deal. We're just going to look at verse two, but what the verse says is a big deal. And so, uh, verse 1 says, The Spirit of God came upon Azariah, the son of Obed. Azariah was a prophet. And he went out to meet Asa. Asa was the king. So you got a prophet talking to the king. Uh, and he said, Hear me, Asa, and all Judah and Benjamin. That's the two tribes of the southern kingdom. So he said, Hear me, Asa, and all of you who are in Benjamin and in Judah. The Lord is with you. While you are with him. Read that. The Lord is with you while you are with him. So Joseph wakes up in Potiphar's house as a slave. And the Bible tells me the Lord is with Joseph. What did it tell me about Joseph? It told me he had sought the Lord. He found himself to be in the presence of the Lord even in slavery. Amen. He sought and found the presence of the Lord even while he was in slavery. Amen. It got worse. 
he got thrown into the prison. And the Bible tells me that while he was in prison, he was, the Lord was with him. The Lord was with him. Second Chronicles chapter 15, 2 says that if the Lord's with you, what did you do? You sought after him. You went to where he was. Where is God? Come on, people. Everywhere. He's everywhere. It's kind of like Santa Claus. So there's no situation you're going to get into that God ain't already there. There's no situation you'll get into that God's not already there. Oh, Lord, in the Old Testament, he showed up in a whorehouse one day. Yeah, that's where, that's, where, uh, that's where Samson was hanging out. And the Spirit of God showed up and warned him to leave. I don't think the Spirit of God going place close to a place like that. Well, he shouldn't have had to, but guess what? That's where one of his kids was. <laughs> he had to go find his wayward kid, right? Holy Spirit's in the, in the joint. He's everywhere. And wherever you are, God's already there. What you got to do is connect, seek his presence, look for him right then, right there. Because when you look for him, you'll find him and he'll be with you. And when you're in the presence of Jesus, then you begin to get the heart of Jesus. And when you get the heart of Jesus, religion, Christianity, your Christian walk's no more mechanical, it's real. It's genuine. It's genuine. Now, so he sought God's presence, and then he lived out God's intent. That's where we are now, back in Genesis 50. All the way back, Genesis 50. Let's go back there. Uh, and uh, we were what, verse 17? Somewhere along in there? Open Bible, sesame. Verse 15. So uh, when, he's, when Joseph saw that their dad was dead, they said, oh, perhaps Joseph will hate us and may actually repay us for all the evil which we did to him. And so they sent messengers to Joseph saying, Behold, your father died. Before your father died, he commanded, saying, Thus you shall say to Joseph, I beg you, please forgive the trespasses of your brothers and their sin, for they did evil to you. Now please forgive the trespasses of your servants of God, of your father. And uh, Joseph wept when they spoke thus. He wept. And here's what he was thinking. They've come to me when this cockeyed, contrived story of daddy sent us, they've come to me because they do not trust that I have forgiven them and love them. It hurt his heart. He cried that his brothers couldn't trust him. You see, they, they had old sinful, evil, wicked hearts. And they tried to automatically take their old sinful, evil, wicked hearts and put it over there on Joseph. Joseph didn't have that kind of heart. He was pure. Amen. And when his brothers accused him that he might actually not forgive them and he might actually bring 
some kind of evil on them. He cried. He wept. You know what I'd have said? Well, I don't care if you believe me or not, I'm going to take care of you. Don't make me any difference whether you believe it or not, I'm going to do it. It made the difference to Joseph. He cared. See, what am I talking about? I'm talking about the heart of the matter. I'm talking about the heart of the issue, the passion of the matter. It comes from Jesus Christ. You know him, you begin to get his heart, his passion, his mind. Amen. That's how you function. That's how you forgive somebody hurt you. That's how you love somebody 50 years. That's how you stay married. That's how you make it work. That's how you put up with brothers and sisters in Christ. You forgive them. You love them. It has to be genuine. It has to be a heart issue. It's got to matter to you. I care. I care. And he cared. So he sought God's presence and being in God's presence, he got the heart of the matter. Then he was able to live out God's intent. And you know what? We know that God rewarded him because of that trust. God rewarded him because of that intent. Now, the story's long and complicated, but the Pharaoh gave, the, gave Joseph's family a land in Egypt called Goshen. And it was a really prosperous land. And they multiplied and they did well. I mean, they did really, really well. Now, then there was a Pharaoh rose up that didn't know Joseph. After Joseph had died and gone on, there's another Pharaoh came along. And he said, man, I don't know who these Jew people are, but there's too many of them and they're way too wealthy. But they didn't have an army. And that Pharaoh made slaves out of all of them. And by the time of Moses, he wanted to even control the population of the Jews in Goshen. What did he do? He killed off all the male babies, remember? But God rescued them, brought them out. You know how many souls moved from Judah to Egypt? Seventy. You know how many came out of Egypt? Over two million. Over two million. Because God promised old Abraham that he'd make a big people out of him. And out of those people would be a blessing to the whole world. His name is Jesus. And that's what God was up to. Through one little old feller that loved enough to care. Really, genuinely broke his heart because his brothers didn't trust his love. And he did love them, and he took care. So we'll read the, the final 
conclusion of all of this. And so the Bible says that when Joseph heard all of that, that he, that he wept. And uh, Joseph said, do not be afraid, for I am not in the place of God. As for you, yeah, you meant it to me for evil, but God meant it for good. Oh, yeah. Do you ever trust God? <laughs> when, when things just really on the bottom, do you ever now and then think God still may be in charge? God's in control? Well, he'd felt that way over at the, had been a slave. He'd felt that way in the prison. He's now ruling. He still thinks that way. He said, look, he said, you meant it to me for evil, but God meant it to me for good. In order to bring it about it as it is this day, to save many people alive. Now he says, now therefore, do not be afraid. I will provide for you and your little ones. And he comforted them and spoke kindly to them. Is that a great love story or what? Or what? Oh, God, would you let me know you that way? Father, we bow our heads and we seek you for a moment. I don't want to serve you out of religious duty. I want to serve you with a passion that comes from drawing close to God, drawing close to Jesus, seeking out the Lord. It ain't about religion, it's about Jesus. It's about knowing Jesus, committing your life to Jesus. Hey, you may be here today and you've never truly believed, committed yourself, trusted in the person and the work of Jesus Christ. You've never invited him in simple language Lord, be my Savior. I trust you. I want, I want you to save me right now. Forgive my sins. Make me a citizen of heaven. Maybe you've already done that, but God sure has spoken to your heart today to draw you back to himself, to draw you close, to surrender afresh, to renew your walk with Jesus. Hey, he may be talking to some of you about church membership. Come tell me you want to be a member. We'll get you in that class, get things going. But Holy Spirit, you lead this morning. You guide the service. You have your way, and that's it. We love you. Amen.